Hey everyone, happy Father's Day. Uh, what a special day to celebrate and to honor dads in our lives, father figures in our lives. And the question I want to ask right at the start is why exactly? So yes, we know that Obviously, there's a role of dads and we wouldn't be here and nobody else would be here without moms and dads. But why exactly should we celebrate Father's Day? What is the great value uh, in it? What, what makes fathers different and special just as mothers are so special in their own right? What makes fathers special in their own right? And the role of fathers is of huge importance. There are many statistics globally about the vital role that a dad plays or a father figure plays in the outcome of children's lives. The Journal of Marriage and Family, they said that 82% of studies on father involvement and child well-being published since the 1980s onwards found significant associations between positive father involvement and offspring well-being. That's, that's huge. Look at this one from the Child and Family Research Center. It says children who grew up with involved fathers are 39% more likely to earn mostly A's in school, 45% less likely to repeat a grade, 60% less likely to be suspended or expelled from school, twice as likely to go to college and find stable employment after high school, 75% less likely to have a teen birth, and 80% less likely to spend time in jail. Now, obviously, there's outliers in all of those statistics, but what it shows, Christ follower or not, the role of the father is essential. And it's so important that we realize that there are many males, but very few men. There are many males who have children, but very few fathers. The world is in desperate need for fathers. And so the question we must ask is where have all the fathers gone. I realize today it's both a special day, but it's also a really hard day for others. For some, it's a time of celebration of a wonderful relationship. For others, it's a painful time due to loss or hurt in that relationship or in life. Regardless of what emotions this day brings, my heart's desire is that the greatest emotion today would be the overwhelming sense of God the Father who loves you and me. He is the father of fathers and he is perfect in all of his ways. He is perfect in the midst of brokenness and he will show himself perfect for all eternity. He'll not let you down and his love is incomparable. He will give you all that you need to father well and he will be all that you need as a father too. And so maybe a little bit strangely, I felt drawn as I was praying and preparing for the message today. I felt drawn to speak on the prodigal son. Some of you may or may not have heard the story, but I really felt the Holy Spirit leading me to this. And you might think, well, that's a bit of a strange passage to share on when it comes to Father's Day. But I believe the passage could also be summed up by a painting from a great British artist, Charlie Mackesy, um, that is going to be seen on your screen now. And this beautiful, amazing picture um, is sort of summed up as the running father. I just love that. I just love the, the picture. For those of you who don't know the prodigal son or for those who do, I love the picture, the role that the father takes in the story, the immense significance of it. And so as we track through this passage, wherever you are in relationships right now, I trust you will experience the father's love 
for you today. And so if you have your Bibles, I would love you to turn to Luke 15. If not, it's going to be on the screen. And I just want to pray. We always want to invite God into what we're doing and into the times that we have together because he's the only one who changes us and changes lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we call you Father on this Father's Day. And I pray that as we share and we dive into your word that is life and is truth and is fresh every day, I pray that you demonstrate to us afresh the love of the Father. And as a result, we would be able to father well, be great father figures in people's lives, that we would see you as the ultimate father. And so, yeah, I'd love you to to turn there if you aren't there already. We're going to pick up the story in Luke 15 verse 11. And to, to help you just with a little bit of context, Jesus has just spoken about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. One went and, and, and got itself stuck or went missing and he left the 99 to go in search of the one. And then he speaks about a widow with 10 coins and she loses one and then she looks everywhere for that one and then she celebrates when she finds it. And then at the end of this little group of stories that Jesus shares on, he now dives into um, a father and one son. He's now making the greatest point to everyone listening. He's sort of been going from out there, uh, animals out and about. Then he's been coming down closer to someone in desperate need of something, a widow with her coins. Then he zeroes in even further to a father and his son. And so there's three leading characters in the story. There's, uh, there's two sons. There's the, the son, the prodigal son, and then there's the older brother, and holding it all together is the father. So we're going to see these three as we go through. And some, some extra context that's important. And when we read our Bibles, we always need to ask, why was this written? Who was it written to? And what was the author wanting to get across? It's so important. Otherwise, we can read things out of context. So we want to get to that. And if you go, if you jumped right actually at, to, at the start of Luke 15, it says here, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees, these were the religious people. It's what we've been talking about the past few days, the danger of feeling puffed up because we know scripture and because we attend church services. The Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he told them this parable. So so the religious leaders had been accusing Jesus of hanging out with people who don't really know him and for caring for them. And the Pharisees were the religious people who thought they were in a better standing with God and they were more special to God. They were a little bit frustrated. Why is this person taking the limelight from us? Why is he associating with people that we think are unclean and we don't want them to taint our gatherings and to taint our feasts? And so they're in this place and Jesus immediately goes into telling these stories um, as a way to say, actually, just so you know, these are the people that I care about and this is what I care about. So it was a big challenge to the Pharisees of the day. And we've been looking at this in our Roman series. We've been diving into this. And so even last week, some of you who might have, uh, might have come in, that's exactly what we're looking at, the danger of religious Um, attitudes creeping into our hearts rather than relationship with Christ. And this attitude of the religious leaders is seen in the older brother. And it actually stops them from getting close to the father's love. And so as we again track through this, be aware of if there's any aspect of the elder brother that's in your life. 
So we read verse uh, 15, uh, verse 11, and this is what it says. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now, it's important to know that if you're here today and you don't have a relation with Christ, or you do, it's possible for us to act a bit like this prodigal son at different stages in our lives. You see, before you know Christ, maybe you're looking in and you don't know him yet, we weren't even sons and daughters yet. We only become sons and daughters when we give our lives to Christ. But we're prodigals in the sense that we live for ourselves. We don't want anyone else. We might want what they have to give us, like the son who wanted from the father, but we live out of our own strength and out of our own ability. And that can be dangerous and that can be harmful. And maybe there's some of you in this group today, and I'd love you to, to just listen in a bit further, to open yourself to what God might be saying to you. But also, if you're a Christ follower today, there'll be times when you have and will let God down, where you have turned away from him where you've said God I know that you love me and you care about me but actually I'm just drawn to this in society I'm going to pursue this I can do this on my own or you can't get into this area of my heart and so we need to be aware of that in us and we need to turn ourselves back to the father so you see here in the story that the son wanted his father's property, which was divided upon the death of the father um, when, or when he was too old to work. But the son says, um, I want this now. And this obviously usually didn't happen until the father was much older or until he had died. But this son is saying, hey, dad, in a sense, I want to count you as dead anyway. I would like what you have to give me in money. And I would like it now. I don't want to wait until you're dead or whatever. I want to take it and to live for myself now. I don't want to work with you or under your cover or care or wisdom. I'm going on my own way. I'm big enough. I can make decisions on my own. I can do what I want. So cheers for now. It would be similar today for asking for your dad's inheritance while he's alive. Sort of saying, uh, hey dad, um, how much is it that you've left in your will for me? Uh, I mean, whether it's secret or not, can you just tell me? Brilliant. Can you just give that to me now? I know that you aren't dead yet, but, uh, but, but I, I want that now. What you've promised to me when you die, I want that now. I want to live my life. And uh, is that cool with you? I mean, just imagine. Imagine the hurt of a dad who loves you. Imagine the hurt of a dad who is, um, who, who's given everything for you, who loves you deeply. And you're saying, no, I, I just don't want that love. And I don't want that wisdom. And I don't want to be working with you or under you. I, I want to go on my own way. Devastating for the father. Let's go on next. What happens? Obviously, the father gives this. You know, the father hands this out to the son. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, verse 13, and he took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. And so this son had a great time with the wealth that he had, and he squandered it. He partied hard. He spent the cash. He made friends, although you will notice that uh, he had none to turn to when his life turned upside down. You see, you see real friendships when 
you're in a mess. I pray we're not in a mess, but all of us at different times will be. And that's when we see real friendships in our lives. Beware of friends of status who gain from spending time with you or with your money. Beware of that. Beware of that in your life. The bottom falls out of his world and you see that sin costs us. Satan will try to candy coat sin in our lives. He'll try to make it look as good as possible, but it costs us. It destroys us. It breaks us. Living outside of God's plan is never the right way to live. Look at what it says in Proverbs 23 verse 19 to 21. It says, hear my son and be wise. Direct your heart in the way. Be not among drunkards or among glutton, gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. Scary words, but it's the wisdom of the Father. It's saying, it's saying if we follow the Father's way and His plan for our lives, then things just turn out as they should. So a question for you today is, are you feeling in famine? Are you feeling like you're maybe at the lowest point in your life? Maybe on the outside things look good. Maybe they don't. Maybe deep down you feel like, you're at the end. Maybe on the outside, it looks like you're at the end. Maybe, just maybe, it's the Father who loves you deeply, who's allowing you to hit rock bottom. And only because if you hit rock bottom, you might realize your need of Him and come home. And so is He calling you today? Is He calling you for the first time ever? Is He calling you because you have turned away from Him? Jesus will do anything to get your attention. And even if it means you're going through those difficulties, that is the ultimate goodness of God. If that is the only thing that will get your attention to turn to the Father now and for all eternity. He cares more about your life than your comfort. He cares more about real joy than momentary kicks. He cares more about you having a purpose than you being aimlessly successful. Interesting note, actually, as we jump here, is uh, when it comes to working with the pigs. These were considered unclean and they were detested amongst Jews from before they, um, in, in, in times past, they had been considered as dirty animals. And so that was the case. Now, even though Jesus came and he said things are clean, they were considered unclean. And so um, to this day into what Jesus was speaking into, you could step no lower as a person to be with pigs, unclean animals. And so Jesus was getting across to his religious listeners at the time. He was getting across to say, this person was at the worst they could ever be. They were spending time with unclean pigs that you don't like at all. Again, as we say often, thankfully, we don't live in those days. And thank you, Lord, for bacon and all those sorts of things. But they would have understood this. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. And so this is just such a key point where it says here, but when he came to himself, he realized how pointless and how ruined his life was. And something jolted in his mind, something jolted a memory to say, it's time to go back. I need to go back. He came to his faith senses. And so today, collectively in your whole life, is God calling you to come to your senses? And one aspect of your life, is he calling you to come to your senses? Is it the first time you've never turned to the Father? Is it that you have in the past, but, but now he's saying, come back to me? 
wherever it is, listen to what he's saying. In the midst of that, though, he knew his utter failure, right? He knew just how messed up his life had been and that he had rejected his dad. He knew that he had counted his dad as dead, that the relationship was over. He knew the hurt he had caused to his dad. And so he thought, well, maybe, just maybe, dad probably not going to uh, accept me as a son, but just because of past relationship, and if I really come humbly, maybe, just maybe, I could work for him because I know that he's loving. I know that he's caring. He treated me well. He's treated my brother well. He's treated our servants well. Maybe, just maybe, if I came back, he would accept me. And so he starts this journey back home. No, no phone calls, no, no emails ahead of time. He just had to walk. He had no way of knowing what the father would do. He didn't know. He could trust in how the father had lived all these years, but he didn't know his response to this. Look what it says, verse 20. It says, And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. Imagine the picture. The son walking, walking towards the homestead, maybe dusty, whatever it looked like. And on the horizon, he sees this man looking out towards him. And the father searching the father's waiting the father's desperate for him for him to come home and as his father sees him he then comes towards him the father trusted his love to bring the son back and he was willing to release his son at a cost to himself how far can you run from the father the question more must be why would you and i choose to run from the father when he is that good when he loves us that much, when he's proved by dying for us on the cross, when he's given us eternal life, why would we want to run from him? If you understand his radical love, it will draw you to run towards him and not away. And you can do that today. Just again, that phrase where it says, the father, uh, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The sense of longing, my son, would you come home? It is also interesting to note he didn't go searching for him, right? I shared that a little bit earlier, but, but his, he, he didn't go out hunting for him. Why not? Well, I think he knew that to pull him out of what he was in without his son coming to his senses or without his son realizing what he had got himself into wouldn't solve the long-term problem of his heart. You see, he needed his heart to be solved. He needed to know that he couldn't do life on his own, that he was created for a purpose, that his father loved him. And so he needed to go through this process. But he felt, feels compassion. He embraces him. He kisses him. Love, embrace. Are these your pictures of God? If not, I want you to reassess. Maybe you haven't had a relationship with a father like that. Maybe you've never known a father. Maybe you've been hurt by other father figures. And so you've struggled to demonstrate that to your children or to your kids. But I want you to look at God's heart. This is the picture of the father. He's a father who runs towards you, a father who embraces you, a father who's forgiving, who is compassionate. If you're a father here today, can I challenge you? Hug your kids, kiss your kids, show healthy emotion, love them, love them unconditionally, love them when they let you down, love them when they're doing well, Always be available um, for them. May they know that no matter how far they run, you will always be there for them and you love them unconditionally. 
Verse 22. The son says this to him, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and let us celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He is, was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Celebrate. This was over the top celebrations. A robe showed um, honor and dignity. It's like um, you, 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 you're clothed by me. Royalty. It was given a ring to show authority. The authority of the father. It was a ring to show part of the family. And actually, uh, a lot of the time it would be if you went shopping or if you went somewhere, here's, here's the ring. The, the, the payment is done. It's, it's, it's certain. You're going to get the money. There was so much trust in that. The fattened calf was, was used to show atonement, paying for sin in Jewish custom. So there's a demonstration of your sin's paid for. Don't worry, it's done. It's in the past. We're going to celebrate. And so again, the Pharisees would have understood that Jesus was talking about forgiveness. Question, at what point did the father love the son more? When did he miss him the most? Was it when he first left? Was it when he stood and he gazed on the horizon? Was it when he threw the party? It's too hard to choose, but the point is is that the Father's love is constant. It is unchanging. It is there all the time. Sometimes we turn away from Him. Sometimes we turn towards Him, but His love is there. Nothing you do or I do will ever change that. No matter what you've done in the past, maybe for some of you listening now, maybe you feel you've done things too horrific for the Father to forgive or for the Father to to have paid the price. I want to tell you now, He's already paid the price on the cross. You just have to receive it. But it's done. He paid that price for your sins, past, present, and future. So you are good enough for the Father. The Father's love for you is without question. As we get towards the end, look here, verse 25. And this is possibly the sadder part in the story. Now his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. Your father's killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. He refused to go in. So his father came out because his dad loves him. He said, look, these many years um, and entreated him or said, what's the story? But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. You never even, you didn't even give me a calf. You didn't give me a goat. But when the son of yours came, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he's found. You see the elder brother talking about people with a religious heart or mindset that when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees is that they followed God out of duty but not out of love. You know, the son was probably, the elder brother was probably running the whole estate at the time. And he would have felt that doing things, performance, that this somehow would earn his father's love. But this is a love that we can never earn. It's a love that's freely given. And so maybe you're here today and you're saying, but, but I've, I've tried God. I've gone to church every Sunday. I never miss one. I've uh, picked up people. I've served at the tea table. I've, I've given everything but yet I'm still struggling to pay rent. I still have problems in my relationships. I'm still struggling to put food on the table or you won't give me a promotion at work. That's the elder brother attitude. That's the elder brother heart. 
it's out of duty to get something. It's following God. It's religion. It's following God out of a duty to get something rather than out of a love because of the price he's paid and being part of the family. Interestingly enough, the father doesn't even answer the son. You'll notice it there. He says just that we've always been together. But sadly, that doesn't make up for the elder brother's heart. So the challenge as we close is do we see people through the lens of the gospel of Jesus? What does that mean? It means seeing life through a framework of what Jesus did on the cross, through a framework of the Father's love. He died for every person who's ever lived and every person who will live. He died to see the church grow and to show his love. He died to see restoration of families, of cultures, of cities. So do we see people the way Jesus does with passionate love and sacrifice where he says, son, you are always with me. It's such a challenge if we've grown up in Christian circles or in church life to almost let the closeness and the intimacy with Jesus die and fade. We need to continue to remember that if you're a Christ follower today, that we're with the Father, that he's close, that he's there all the time. And then we celebrate when people return. And then the banquet it symbolizes that awesome final day when when all of us sinners, people who are messed up and broken are invited and we get to celebrate with the king. And sadly, some like the elder brother here, he refused to enter the party because he couldn't understand how the father could love someone who was so broken. And so it's scary that we can choose not to enter God's lavish kingdom because we don't see people with the love that he has. And maybe you've been burnt by the church in the past. Maybe you've been hurt by someone who said they knew or followed Jesus and didn't reflect it. Maybe you've been hurt by an earthly father. Don't let that prevent you from coming to the heavenly father. Friends, as I close and pray, the world is in desperate need of a heavenly father, but also earthly fathers who appoint people to the heavenly father. And men need our prayers. Men here in our context at Harvest need our prayers. Men in the city need our prayers because I can guarantee you that the health of future generations is determined by the health and the love of fathers and that ultimately only comes from the Heavenly Father. And so I want to pray. I want to pray for men, fathers to be, spiritual fathers amongst us today. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for Father's Day. We want to celebrate the amazing Father that you are. Thank you for your unbelievable, incomparable, unending, unconditional love for us in our brokenness before we know you, God, when we know you. Thank you that you've demonstrated your love on the cross. God, thank you that you are the Father who no matter how far we run is on the, is on the horizon waiting for us to return and then to run out and celebrate together. Thank you that we always have your love Thank you that we serve you and love and and do things not because we want to earn your love, but because we have it. I pray for every single man here today from young teenage men and 20s who are listening um, and who are watching, who, who maybe aren't yet dads yet. Father, I pray that you would mold and develop us into, into earthly dads who represent the Heavenly Father. Maybe we're already fathers here today and we, um, we need your help, God, to be fathers like you are. Maybe there's issues in relationships between, um, between different family members. God, I pray that we would have the Father's love so that we can love 
in the way that you love. Pray for people who have lost earthly fathers. Thank you, Father, that you are the ultimate dad and father today. I pray most of all that each of us would see you and would embrace you and would know you as the wonderful heavenly father that you are. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us on Father's Day. What a special day to celebrate the ultimate Heavenly Father. And uh, thank you as well just for all of um, uh, you serving and stuck in in different areas and ministry of the church. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your partnership in seeing the neighborhoods and, uh, and, and the city of Harare changed and transformed by the gospel. And we're so excited at what the Lord has in store as he advances his kingdom in our neighborhoods and in our city. Thanks so much and have a brilliant rest of your day. Thanks again.